And good morning, everybody. Welcome to our first Liberty Family Church Sunday gathering of 2024. Hey, I hope it's a good year for everyone, and uh, yeah, we, we trust in God for the year ahead. Sometimes, I mean, I hadn't planned on saying this, but it occurs to me sometimes how I define a good year and what I think is going to be a bad year, and sometimes God flips that thing on its head. So no matter what comes this year, God's in control. And we want to seek Him, find Him, uh, and yeah, follow Him. If you are a guest, my name is Matt, I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, yeah, I want to welcome you. I hope that you have a good time with us this morning and, and that you um, find it valuable. Um, so this morning I want to preach from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. I think we have a slide, maybe, hopefully, possibly. There we go. Simple verse, Zechariah 4, verse 6. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Have you heard that before? It's one of those verses you're like, I'm sure I've heard that. So what, what lies ahead for you this year? What are you excited for? What are your plans? What are your hopes? What are you nervous for? What are you feeling apprehensive about? Right on the roller coaster of life. Maybe you're on the way down, on the up, at the top, at the bottom. I don't know where you are at. But it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. This is a, a simple verse. And I, I'm going to take this one verse and I just want to press this home this morning. I just felt God really wanted me to share that this morning. And there, there was a a moment where I thought, man, this is actually such a simple message. You know, maybe th- I need to kind of beef this up. I thought, Hang on, that's the point, isn't it? It's, it's not by brilliant arguments and oratory and rhetoric. No, it's by the Spirit of God. So I'm going to share something very simple with you this morning. And I'm trusting that God by His Spirit is going to do something. So... To help you kind of track with me and and where I'm going, I just want to take three little steps in my argument, three points that I want to make. And the first point I want to make is that we need God's Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. And so this verse, where does it find itself in the story of the Bible? Where, Why is God saying this? And so we need to track back right into Old Testament history. God chose a people to be His people and to represent Him in the world and to bless all the nations through this people. They're supposed to reflect God, represent God to the world. And it's a disaster because time and time again, God's people actually choose to serve other gods. And the injustice and the unrighteousness that sets in, it's horrific, some of the things that the kings do and God's people do. It's terrible. So God warns them through the prophets. Don't do this. Turn back. Come on. Serve God. Time and time again. And eventually God says, okay, I've been warning. I've been warning. Right? Parents, have you done this enough? Warning, warning, warning. Okay. This is it. We draw the line. And so God sends the world's superpower, Babylon, to come and conquer them. And they conquer Jerusalem. And they tear down its walls. And they destroy the temple. That's the place where worship of God occurs. That's where sacrifices occur. That's where God's presence is on this earth, gone, destroyed, broken down. This is going to be surely the low point in the story for God's people. Fast forward a few decades, 
God decides, okay, enough of Babylon. You need to be held to account for the things that you've done. And so the Medo-Persian Empire comes in and conquers Babylon. Justice is served on Babylon. And so there's a new king, Cyrus. And God puts it on Cyrus's heart to restore God's temple. Foreign king, pagan, worshipping king. And, and, and he is changed by God. And he, he decrees. He says, if there's any Jewish people that want to go back, go back. And I'm going to give you a command. You will rebuild the temple of God so that he can be worshipped in this earth. Hey, pagan king. Wow. Okay, God's at work. And so he puts a guy by the name of Zerubbabel in charge. If you're wanting to name any kids, great name. Hey, Zerubbabel. Um, you can call him Bell for short. I don't know. Right, so Zerubbabel is in charge. Leads back the exiles who want to go. And he's put in charge, rebuild the temple. Amazing. Over and above that, Cyrus the king writes a whole bunch of letters telling various people around, you will supply them with money, you'll supply them with material goods, you're not going to get in their way, this is what they're going to do, I'm commanding them to do it. And the very temple that Nebuchadnezzar tore down and he took all the gold articles from the temple and he stole them, Cyrus says, take all the gold articles from the temple Go and worship God. Go make this a temple where God is worshipped. I mean, this is amazing. Who did this? Who made this happen? God made this happen. So this is great. So Zerubbabel goes, starts working, starts doing what he needs to do. I just want to point out that this is a huge building project. You've got to take a whole bunch of people from exile, trek all the way back to Jerusalem. You've got a whole bunch of hostile tribes around you. They're not happy about all of this, and you're going to work. You've got to organize. You've got to get stone. You've got to find stone from somewhere. You've got to bring it, this heavy stone. No planes, cars, ships. They've got to, there's a lot of work involved here. I want to emphasize this point. There's a lot of practical work to be done. Two years in, they've laid the foundation. This is, this is, but it's a big deal. Foundation is a big deal. If you can get the foundation right, that sets the tone for the rest of the building. If you make that wrong, things are not good. So this is a big deal. So they laid the foundation, two years of work, hard work. And the foreign tribes or the tribes around them, they're not happy about this. So they start to stir up some trouble. Have you, have you ever found that when you're trying to do what you think is right, God has put something on your heart. You've read it in the scriptures. Whatever it is, you're convicted. I want to do this. Is it, is it easy? Does it just like, oh. You know what? Sometimes life gets hard because you're trying to do the right thing. Sometimes God wants you to do something and things get tough. And so Zerubbabel and the Israelites, God's people, they find this. And so opposition starts to kick in. They start to intimidate the workers. Right? Physically intimidate them. They start to bribe the officials. Does this sound familiar? Start to bribe the officials to frustrate their work. And eventually, Cyrus the king, he dies, he moves on, new king comes in, and so these opponents, they write letters to the new king. Half-truths, myths-truths, misguided stuff. Eventually, the king gets so upset, he says, ah, 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 what are you all doing building that temple? Stop it. I command you, stop it. It's now outlawed, illegal, done. 
No more. 16 years later. Okay, so I want to I put this into context. This is how I thought about it. My oldest son is 12 years old. That means, so let, let's say it's a silly example, but let's just say Liberty Family Church, outlawed, we're not allowed to meet anymore. Done. We're like, but Lord, you've called us as a church and you want to grow us and you want to help us to know you. And, and uh, No meeting. Illegal. My son would be 28 years old by the time we start meeting again. It's six, he's 12 years old now. He'd be 28 before we start meeting again. It's 16 years before work on this temple starts again. Now, what would you do? How would you feel as Zerubbabel? Let's call you Bell for short. Right, how would you feel as Bell? No, that, that feels like a Disney movie. I'm going to stop that. Um, how, how, how would you feel? Would you feel like a failure? Would you feel like, God, where are you? What are you doing? You told us to. You miraculously provided and it is stopped and there's opposition and this is tough and this is rough. And then God sends the prophets Haggai and Zechariah to go and speak. After 16 years, God speaks and he says, okay, guys, time to start again. Let's go. Okay, now, God doesn't say miraculously, I build the temple. That would be nice. Hey, foreign king, Artaxerxes, I don't know. It wasn't there this morning, and there it is now. That would be great. And God says, no, no, you, you build the temple. You start. Hey, this is tough work. What are you, what are you going to tell the Israelites? Hey, guys, we just, we've got to start building again. Yeah, it's outlawed. They're going to kill us. They're going to, this is not good. And it's into this context that God speaks through the prophet Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 6. Hey, Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Question, who's going to build the temple? <laughs> no, I am, Zerubbabel, I, I have to build the temple. I've got to do this, but God says he's going to be at work here. There's something very practical and hard about building a massive temple with stone, hard work, labor, all the things you need to do. And so how is Zerubbabel going to do this? Right? How, how are we going to convince the king? I don't know. Do we outbribe the officials? Hey, are we, are we espionage? What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And God says, no, no, no. Not by your might, your power. It's by my spirit. And so God works. In the new king's heart, Darius. And Darius says, hold up. This temple is going to be built. I decree as the king, this temple is going to be built. Who's, who's convincing the king? God's doing something. Could Zerubbabel do it? Could someone else do it? No. God is going to do it by his spirit. He changes the king's heart. And the king decrees, he puts out a decree. There's kids here, so I'm not going to say exactly what he says. But basically, anyone who gives them a hard time, I'm going to kill you. In a, in a very nasty way. And so there's like, okay, okay. Right, everyone backs off, and they work, and they build the temple. Who built it? Did God build it? In a way, yes. But did the Israelites build it? Well, yes, they built it. And so sometimes there are things that we need to do in this world. We actually need to do it. But it's not doing it by our might. 
not by your strength. God wants us to operate in this world by His Spirit. Does that mean oh, budget out the window, not do it? No, 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 no. You do those things by God's Spirit. We do practical things by God's Spirit. So what are you facing this year? What are you planning? What are you hoping for? What's looking good? What's looking bad? I don't know where you're at. I want to remind us, not by might, not by your power, but by God's Spirit is how we are called to live. And so we live in a culture where we celebrate self-made men and self-made women. We're impressed with strength. We're impressed with people who overcome obstacles. We love movies like Spider-Man, you know? Spider-Man always gets back up, and we're like, man, that's so inspiring. Come on, I'm going to get back up. And, And sure, fair enough. We prize and value strength, brains, and determination. And God steps in and He says, not by might, not by power. Do this by my spirit. If I want to live a life of spiritual impact and purpose, I cannot do it by my own strength, my own power. But I can do it by the Spirit of God. Living life is a very practical thing. I have to manage my finances. I have to manage my appetites. I need to plan my days. I need to plan my year. I need to reflect. I need to build relationships. I need to work. I need to rest. These are things that I have to do. These are things that you have to do. But you can do them in your own strength or you can do them by the Spirit of God. So point number one is we need God's Spirit. My second point is that God's Spirit is promised. As we, we haven't been called to do something that's impossible. God has promised His Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, in Zerubbabel's days, the Spirit of God was not available to everyone. Every now and then, God's Spirit would come on people for specific tasks and specific things that they needed to do. But by and large, you're kind of on your own. And we need a helper. We need a power that is outside of us. We cannot do this alone. You cannot do this with a hired helper. It's not your psychologist, your pastor, your financial planner. They're not the solution. Sometimes those things are helpful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they're not. But they're not your ultimate hope. And so, as humans, our hearts have been corrupted and twisted by this thing called sin. To the very depths of our nature, we love people more than we love God. We love stuff and things more than we love God. Our connection with God is so broken that our access to life is severed. And so we try and do things on our own. We try and do things with other people, other avenues. And Jesus entered into this world and He became sin for us. He took on our sin and He bore the consequence of our sin. And the righteousness of Jesus is given to us. Anyone who would put their faith in Jesus, everyone who would put their faith in Jesus, gets given the righteousness of Jesus. And so now, because of that faith in Jesus, you have every right to access God again. Not because you did something amazing. Because of the work of Jesus, faith in Him means you have every right to access God again. You can go to God in fellowship, communion, relationship, whatever you want to call it. 
your connection with God is restored. It's now possible to not do it in your own strength, but to do it by the Spirit of God because you have connection with God again. And so this is maybe a message for someone who maybe you feel like, hey, I don't have that connection with God. I want to say the Scriptures, Jesus makes it clear by faith in His work, you can have access to God again. For the first time, you can have access to God. A power from outside of yourself, a fulfillment, a life, a source that we need. Maybe this is an encouragement to you where you might be thinking, hey, I have been doing this in my own strength. I have been trying to make plans, trying to, trying to where's God in this? Oh, shucks, I've excluded him. I want to encourage us. Let's go to God and invite, say, God, come, bring your life. I've been driving. Can you please drive? I've been on the throne. Can you get on the throne? I'm getting off. I want to press this a little bit because I think that this is, this is a big deal. This ability, this opportunity to connect with God again is something life-changing. In Ezekiel 36, Old Testament, God promised that there would be a day, one day, where His Spirit would be available for everyone. This is not new. So when Jesus arrives, He says that the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Did you get that? God promised His Holy Spirit. I promise you, I will give you the Holy Spirit. That, that's, that's quite amazing to be able to sit back and say, God, you promised. I believe you. That's quite something. I, I believe when God promises. Can you, can you do that? Jesus promised in John chapter 7 that the Holy Spirit would be given to all who believe in him. It's not special people. Hey? Ministers, pastors, I don't know, theologians, people who've done a course. You believe in Jesus? Jesus promised that you would receive the Holy Spirit. God's very presence in you. Jesus said we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Oh. Paul says that we receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Paul prayed that God would give Christians power so that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. Christ himself would live in our hearts through faith in Him. Paul reminds Christians that we have received the Spirit who is from God. You might say, but I, whatever that ritual is, maybe pray for me to receive. No, no, you have received the Holy Spirit. And yes, there is a time for praying for the Spirit as well. Totally. A freshness, an infilling. I don't want to tell you God has promised. God has, if you put your faith in Him, you have already received the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living in you. Paul puts it this way, 1 Corinthians 3, you are a temple of God because God's Spirit lives in you. You go to the temple to find a God. God says, well, you are the temple. I'm living in you. Is that encouraging for you? It's sometimes worth reflecting on these things, just letting it sink in. God has promised. He's promised he said he will be in me. Do I need to do something? Do I need to go somewhere? Is there a building that I can find God? No, you. God is in you. 
We are meant for communion with God. We are meant for a connection with God. And God has promised that connection. If you've put your faith in Christ, God's very Spirit is living in you. That means any time, any place, anywhere, you and God. In a boardroom when things are going down, yeah. In a hospital, things are not looking, yeah. In the shops, wherever you are. In your bedroom, alone, I don't know. Can you find God? Yes, because He's there. He's promised. He's promised. Living this out, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, is possible because God has promised. He's so inside of you, so deep a part of you. He's there. He's available. Whatever it is that you need to do, you can do by the Spirit of God. You don't have to do it in your own strength. I would appeal to you, don't do it in your own strength. And so we need God's Spirit. God's Spirit is promised. And so my third point is, let's live that promise out. Hey, I don't want to say 2024, here's the vision. No, no, I'm not going down. Every day, every day, rest of your days, rest of my days. Let's live this out. Let's live in the reality of God dwelling in us. And so as human beings, we leak vision right? Get inspired. How, how long? How long is your New Year's resolution going to last? How long? March? I think you've done well. If you get to March and things are still going well, we leak vision. I mean, business people know this. They need to cast that vision regularly. Why are we doing this? Where are we going? What are we doing? And we live in a culture where the culture, every day we get the message, this is how you succeed. This is how you get to fulfillment. Every day we get that, we get that, we get that. Are we allowing the promises of God to inform us? Or are we just going into autopilot, neutral, just go with the current, go with the flow? Today I want to remind us, these promises of God, we can do this by the Spirit of God. What is success? It's not strength, it's not any of these things. It's doing things by the Spirit of God. Jesus going to the cross. Success? Yes. In the moment? No. This is terrible. All of our hopes and dreams are pegged on this guy and he's just died. (laughs) Ah, no, no. But the Spirit of God was leading him to do that. God had a plan. He did it not in his own strength, but by the strength that the Spirit supplied. And so, how do you and I live this out? The church has wrestled for that question, with that question for 2,000 years. And you know what? Every follower of Jesus needs to wrestle with this question. We could do a whole nice, very long series of how do we live out this promise? How do we, how do we live this out to live by the power of God, to live by the Spirit of God? I'm going to give an answer, one answer. It's not the answer. If you've got a whole bunch of things saying, well, this is helpful, this is good, you should do this, great, right? Let's, let's do all of those. I, wanna, I just put one out there. And I think it's maybe because we're bad at this naturally, at least in our culture, in our day, maybe I just really felt this is the one thing that I want to share. So a guy by the name of Andrew Murray, he's a South African pastor, theologian from the 1800s, solid, meaty stuff in his books. And he makes the argument that when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to the apostles, they had to wait. He told them to wait 
until the promise of the Father came. They waited 10 days, and then the Spirit came. And he acknowledges, now that the Spirit has come, we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we don't have to necessarily wait a special 10 days in a special place acknowledged. But he makes the point that we would do well to wait on God nonetheless for a fresh infilling. And so here's his argument. I've got a bunch of quotes that I'm going to put out from Andrew Murray just because he says it in a way that I can't say it. So if you don't like it, Andrew Murray, be upset with Andrew. Okay, so he starts off his arguments. He says, The Holy Spirit is not given to us as a possession of which we have control and can use at our discretion. The Holy Spirit is given to us as our master who has control of us. We don't use him. He uses us. Ouch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay, Lord, feeling the conviction? Yeah, okay. Sometimes I think any, any Star Wars fans out there, we feel like the Holy Spirit is kind of like the force, you know? We get to learn how to wield the force. Hold that better. More training. No, 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 no. I, I need to learn how to allow the Holy Spirit to be my master, to master me, to let him use me. And so Murray continues. He says, wait on the Lord. Wait for his spirit. Be still before God and allow him to stir in you the assurance that he will grant the Spirit's work in you. We did this at the end of last year, right? Five minutes silence, just waiting on the Lord. Do you remember that? Okay. It's hard. I just want to wait on the Lord and be quiet. This is something I can actually do. I can carve out time. I can look at my diary and say, when am I going to do this? When am I going to be quiet before the Lord and just wait on Him so that He can master me? He can be my master. So that I don't think of all the things, okay, Holy Spirit, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do... No, 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 no. Just be quiet and wait on the Lord and be still. How do you build a relationship with someone? Hey, time. Time is required. Time with the Lord. Wait on Him. I love what Andrew says there. He says, wait on Him and allow Him to stir in you assurance of the Spirit. That the Spirit will do what only He can do. Imagine a time you can carve out in your day where God so stirs in you the assurance that He will fulfill His promises. What a great way to go into your day. What a great way to go out being utterly, firmly convinced. God's going to do it. He's got all of these promises. And you know what? I believe Him. That's a, that's a good way to go out into your day. These promises are for you. Some of you may be sitting, well, that's fine. That's, you know, that's for Audrey. He's learned how to do this. And, you know, Derek, that's a classic Derek thing. And Michelle, that's so for Michelle. But... These promises are for you. They are for you. Andrew continues, As you wait before God, He interprets your silence as confession that you have nothing. 
No wisdom or strength to pray or to work correctly. Waiting is an expression of need, of emptiness. All through the Christian life, these are contrasted. Poverty and weakness on our parts, all sufficiency and strength on God's part. It is in waiting before God that the soul recognizes its own deficiency and is lifted up into the divine assurance that God accepts its sacrifice and will fulfill all of its needs and desires. Hey, I, I, I can confess with my mouth, oh, Lord, I need you. Okay, moving on. Or I can say, Lord, I need you, and then I can do it. I can practically confess it by being quiet and just waiting. God, I need you. That's a confession, a practical confession. Because if you say it but don't do it, God, I need you, and then you jump into your day. Do you really? Reading that convicted me because if it's a busy day, what do I do? Thanks, Lord, for this day. Please be with me. I need your help. Okay, done. Day. Really? Do I really believe that I need him? Because if I did, wouldn't I take the time to say, God, today especially, I'm going to take more time with you because I need you. I need you. I don't want to be legalistic about it. I'm not putting extra pressure on. Matt said you have. No, 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 no. I'm trying to point us back to God. He's our source. He's our strength. Final quote from Andrew. It is to the triune God we speak. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings Him near and unites us to Him. Renew your faith each day. And as you are able, extend your exercise of waiting upon God. The multitude of words and fervent feelings and prayer are often more of a hindrance than a help. He's, he's trying to motivate to be quiet. God's work in you must become deeper. Wait for the promise of God's Spirit in all its forms. Do not count the time lost that you give to the expression of humility and emptiness of faith and expectation, of surrender to the authority of the Spirit. What he's saying is, it's not a waste of time. It's not 15 minutes of my day just gone. No, it's not a waste of time. These are good things. Wait on God. Wait for the Spirit. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Blessed are those who wait for Him. A great reminder at the start of the year. You can't do it. You need God's Spirit. But He's, he's promised His Spirit. And so how do, I, how do I live in the promise of His Holy Spirit? Well, one way, one really good way is, is to carve out some quiet space and just be with the Lord and wait on Him, trusting in Him, believing in His promises, acknowledging, God, I can't do this. I need You. As I, I'm preaching to myself, as much as I'm preaching to everyone. I need God's Spirit. You need God's Spirit. Making time for Him is crucial. It's crucial. And so I love those promises of God. I love reminding myself, He's the promised Holy Spirit. He's the promise of the Father. Anyone and everyone who puts faith in Jesus receives the Spirit of God 
We are temples where God lives by His Spirit. And so I, I want to be able to go out into the day, not by my own strength, not by my own might, but by the Spirit of God. Do you? Do you want to be able to do that? Do you believe it? Do you believe those promises? I think those promises are amazing. I'd love to invite us to, to pray together. If you're comfortable, would you be willing to stand? And so, as, as an expression of this, I'm not going to pray, one minute, be done, let's go. <laughs> that would be exactly what we've not been saying. So, as, as we're standing, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to sit, move, pray by yourself, pray with someone, if you just want to be quiet by yourself, and I'd love to carve out five minutes, that means five more minutes of this meeting before we close. And prayer is a form of confession. It's an expression of hunger. It's a response to God. God, hear your promises. I want to live in those promises. But I'm not going to assume that I'm in control. God, you're in control. And so, Father, as we, as we step into a time of prayer, we want to thank you for your promises. We want to thank you for Jesus who makes this possible our connection with you utterly and completely severed. We thank you that Jesus took on the consequences of our sin. He became sin for us so that our sin might be dealt with. Whatever it is that we've done that we feel ashamed, I'm not worthy, I can't come to you, I can't do this, this is not for me, you don't know, you don't understand, God does. And that was dealt with on the cross of Christ. And if you put your faith in Him, if you trust in Him, that sin has been dealt with entirely and finished. Whatever it is, it's done. It's finished. And He wants to begin a work of restoration in you, starting by His Holy Spirit living inside of you. And we want to step into the fullness of that. We don't want to get distracted by the things around us, God. And so as we go into prayer or even silence now, we want to confess, God, that we are not able to do this by our own strength, but that we need you. And we thank you for the promise of your spirit in us, new hearts, new spirit, your spirit in us. And we want to accept that promise. We want to believe that promise. And we want to place our trust in you. And so as you feel comfortable, if you want to pray by yourself, if you want to sit, if you want to move, if you want to pray in groups, please feel free to do that. We're going to do that for five minutes. And then Michiel will close the meeting. Let's spend time in prayer before the Lord. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, please would you help us to abide in you as we go.
as we leave this place and continue with our lives, would we, would we abide? It, it's such a, a difficult thing to wrap our heads around. We want to do, but you, you call us to abide. Um, help us this week, Holy Spirit. Would you give us the peace of mind? Um, would you empower us to, to be diligent in carving out two minutes, five minutes, just to abide and to hear from you? that we might operate uh, in, in your power, Holy Spirit, by your power, not by our might. Would you be with us and go with us, please? Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, Matt.